Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 125. I am Megan Kronza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And I just want to start by saying thank you so much to everybody who listened to last week's episode and reached out, sent messages. I've heard from so many of you after opening up about my weight loss journey and getting very personal. It's funny because I always get nervous when I'm sharing something really personal on the show, but then I feel like I get like the biggest response after episodes like that. So, I mean, I'm an open book. You guys know that, but I, I just really appreciate all your support. It really does mean the world to me. And kind of in that same vein, I am so excited for today's episode. My guest, you may have heard me mention her in last week's episode, is life coach extraordinaire Corinne Crabtree. And she is truly just a role model to me. I have been listening to her podcast, Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne, and have really just felt so inspired and motivated by everything she teaches. And today on this episode, we really kind of get into all that. But more importantly, we dig into her story. Her son, also named Logan, is 18. And he was diagnosed when he was five um, on the spectrum. So we talk all about their autism journey and Again, Corinne is a life coach, so just the way that she explains everything and kind of digs into it, I just found this so moving and especially, you know, knowing her from the podcast and kind of her personality. She's, I mean, she's like the definition of tough cookie, (laughs) which you guys will hear in the show, but she also has just like the warmest heart and that completely comes through. She truly is just so authentic and really helping people. And this is something that it comes up in the show, but she just, the the resources that she provides for, you know, people to, to lose weight and just to kind of better their lives. Because her whole thing is about losing the mental weight and then the physical weight kind of comes with it. And I can definitely attest that it is all, all real. <laughs> she just, she has such amazing words of wisdom and she speaks it completely into this episode. So I'm so excited. I won't say anymore. I'll let her tell her story, but I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Corinne. Hi, Corinne. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. So for anyone who's maybe not familiar with Corinne, she is a extremely amazing lady. I, I don't even know like what, what to say about you. She's a life coach. She's a weight loss coach. She hosts a podcast called Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne that I have to give a shout out to my good friend Jody. She was the one who introduced me to the show. And I started listening. And to be honest, I listened to a few episodes about a year ago. And I, I just wasn't 
in the right headspace. I wasn't ready to like make real changes. But then as you know, listeners of the show know, I've been on this weight loss journey for the past few months. And I started listening to Corinne's podcast again, obsessively, really. (laughs) I was just telling her (laughs) in my earbuds like 24 seven, but it's been so helpful. And I was just saying to her, the reason why I think everything that Corinne teaches is resonates so deeply with me, not just because she's extremely motivational and just incredible with what she teaches, but because she's an autism mom. And like I was just saying to you, I don't know if I would be able to, to take everything as seriously if I didn't know that you live this life. And it just, it, it really, like it made me trust you. Cause I'm like, okay, she gets it. So I'm really excited to just have you on and thank you so much for being here. If you will kind of take us back to the beginning of your autism journey, I would love to hear. Well, so my son is now 18. So we're, we're going way back in the way back machine (laughs) 18 (laughs) years ago. Uh, when, when he was born, like I didn't know anything was going on, but like, as I said, he got diagnosed at five and Mm -hmm. which is late for most kids, but I will just tell you, when I look back and I think about his first five years, there were so many signs. There were tons of signs happening. He was not a good sleeper. He literally didn't sleep through the night. And I mean, waking up five times a night, crying, you had to rock him. You know, he needed like a lot of motion and stuff uh, all the way through 18 months old. And it wasn't until he was about eight or nine years old to where he could even get through a night on his own. Mm. But um he, when he was about two, two and a half, he still really wasn't talking much. I mean, he just, he would, he had like a couple of words, but that was about it. So I kept going to the pediatrician. My um, mom kept urging me, talk to your pediatrician. And the reason why she was so like, she was kind of like me, like something's not right here is my uncle who is about 66 now he probably is on the spectrum and mm-hmm. a little further down than Logan. Logan would be considered very social. Uh, you know, he's got language and everything now, but uh, my uncle has struggled all his life and he's always had to live with my grandmother. And now he lives with my mother. And mm. um, she just, I think she was hypersensitive. Like, you know, we've always known this, even though he's not diagnosed. So you need to get on top of this. So I would take him every, Logan was never sick. Like we never went to the doctor. So every year we go to well, baby and the doctor, God love her. She would just say, I just, I don't see it. Like, I just think, you know, she just was always just like, no, no, no. He's going to catch up, blah, blah, blah. I put him in mother's day out. You know, he always had a hard time. It killed me every day. You know, I'd leave him screaming and crying. I pick him up. He'd be sitting by himself. You know, he was always the quiet kid. So they didn't make him play with other kids, but He also wasn't getting what I wanted for him there. So by the time he was about four, um, I really started getting very anxious and worried about all this. Like just, you know, he's barely talking. He's, he had words by that point when Logan started to talk, he could articulate a word like an adult, but he couldn't tell a story. He couldn't tell you what he wanted to eat. You know, like he just ate whatever we gave him. Like he just, like, he didn't have specific food needs. He, it's like, he could make no decisions. And so I just, I just always knew something was going on and he would have these fits, you know, like it just seemed like my kid when he was either thrilled and joyous or he was having a complete meltdown and I couldn't control him. 
-hmm. And so um, the doctor, I took my mother with me on the doctor visit before he turned five. And she said, I'm going to let you get him tested at Vanderbilt because you keep coming in here for your peace of mind, because we really need to, you know, ease your, she really thought this was a me problem. And um, so I was relieved and my husband, I told my husband, he went with me and I think my husband, I, well, I know he did. He didn't think there was a problem either. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but I just knew it was his mother. Mm -hmm. And um, of course he got diagnosed that day and it's okay. I know I didn't always cry at this point in the story, but um, it hit my husband like a ton of bricks. You know, my husband is um, the best dad in the world. He's just loved that child and, you know, loved him more than his me since he was born. And um, he fell apart. I'd never seen my husband like that. He's always the strong one. I mean, I'm pretty strong. Let's just, if you ever listen to my podcast, you'll know I'm pretty strong. <laughs> but um, I never, I've just never seen him need me. And um, we went home that day and we we're sitting on the couch. And I mean, this is like literally like in 2000, I think it was 2006 or 2005, somewhere in that range. And um he gets on the internet and he finds an autism conference that's starting in New Jersey. And we live in Nashville the next morning and he books two tickets and looks at me and says, um, I'm calling my parents. Nobody knew we were even getting this test done, but my mother, and he said, I'm calling my parents to come in three hours away to keep Logan. Cause we're going to a conference tomorrow. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, the hell are you even talking about? <laughs> like I just was like stunned. And I said, you cannot call your mother and just drop this bomb in her lap because his, his parents were very involved in my baby's life. I mean, they, they probably would have raised him if we would have given him, I mean, they just loved him. <laughs> and so I called his stepdad, who was his mom's husband and just told him, I said, Chris is fixing to call his mama and he's going to need her. And you need to tell her what's going on and she needs to get her crap together because it's not going to be an easy conversation. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he did. And then Chris called and I mean, I had never seen a grown man cry with his mother like that. And so anyway, we went to this conference the next morning and, you know, I had lost all my weight. And I was getting ready to do um, a, like a bodybuilding competition. I mean, there was so much going on in our life and it all just changed in one day. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we're sitting there in this conference and they basically looked out at the audience and said, 85% of you sitting in here will be divorced. Um, like in the first 10 years of being an autism parent. And I remember Chris and I going and all day long, it was just like, it was the scariest times in autism. It was like, there was no hope. And Basically, they told us that Logan had three years left. And after that, he was never going to be able to grow or uh, learn things. And just, I mean, it was just, it was awful. And we mm -hmm. went back to the hotel room. And I swear to God, we ordered a pizza and we ate in bed and cried all night long. <laughs> just woke up the next morning and said, we are not getting a divorce. That is not happening to us. We are going to figure this out. And we finished the conference, we came home and I just got busy on 
I immediately turned my attention to researching everything I could. I changed his diet overnight. I just, I did like, I just went into some kind of like, like warrior mom mode. And it did become a part of like a big piece of my life. But the, the one thing I do remember about that time is that my husband and I, we doubled down on committing to each other, that we knew that we were going to be stronger together than we would ever be letting it, letting all this tear us apart. And that Logan needed both of his parents. And um, we just worked really hard for the next few years. And so he went to private school. Um, he was able to keep up until a certain point. Um, he went to the same Catholic school I went to growing up. And then when he got in the sixth grade, he was at that point having two hours of tutoring after school every day just to keep up plus homework after that, that he couldn't get done with his tutor. Um, and our baby was always a hard worker. He had OT, he had ABA. He just, you know, he didn't get to play sports and stuff. He was always, you know, going through therapies and, you know, his best friends were always his therapists and uh, his tutors and stuff. But his sixth grade year, it was just too much for all of us. And um, we started looking at a special school and we found one here in Nashville that uh, actually specializes in kids who are on the spectrum or have learning, um, like unique learning needs and stuff. So we made a decision to move him to that school and um, it's been a great investment, small classes, uh, he's been able through the COVID he's done all his classes online and virtual. He's still not back in, in person, but, um, you know, today he is one of the most emotionally mature kids. I think part of it's because I'm a life coach. I like spent the last, uh, at least the last six years of his life teaching him about emotion. I've always believed that Logan has the capacity to learn things. Just none of it comes natural for him. But he's, he's always a little sponge about it. So uh, he's the kindest kid you'll ever meet. He's got a big heart, a conversationalist, loves to be around people. He still has a little difficulty sometimes. Um, he's a little awkward, but people always love him. I mean, when they see him, they, the first thing they always say is he, he just exudes joy, you know, and you can just feel that around in his presence. But I mean, he's doing good. He's learning how to code from his daddy. His daddy was always a programmer. He works for me now, but um, he's uh, super smart when it comes to the computer. I mean, it's amazing the stuff he's doing. So that's, that brings us to this point in his journey. Um, I think for his future, um, I'm like every mom who has a kid on the spectrum. You worry about their future. You worry, you know, will you die before them? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my husband feels like he's like, baby, he'll be able to live on his own. He's going to have a great life and stuff, but that's the part I haven't been able to work through yet. And that, that's what I work on is, you know, trusting this is all going to work out. Okay. And that, um, that his future is going to be like what him and his daddy envision it, that it's not the one that I see, which is always, um, I always go down the dirt road first <laughs> I have to take myself <laughs> back to hope and possibility. <laughs> so, um, but he's, you know, he's a good boy. He works hard. He's uh, fun to be around and just, just a joy. And that's our story. I, I love hearing you talk about him. Uh, he, there's, 
there's little things that remind me of my Logan. When you say like he he just he exudes joy. I always say that about my Logie. Like, and everyone who meets him says that too. They're like, this kid has it. Like he just has it. And I've said before, and I think this about a lot of individuals on the spectrum is, you know, they're just so uniquely themselves and that's the only person they can be. Whereas, you know, a lot of us, especially as we get older and, you know, we're kind of conditioned by this world, we, we come up with these like different parts of our personality that maybe aren't so much us and it's just not authentic. Whereas like somebody on the spectrum, like they're not going to do that. They're just, they're just selves and it's so refreshing yeah and that's the way logan is i mean he just is he's just himself so there's not the drama of trying to fit in all the time you know he's usually his his biggest thing is when he goes into a situation he's trying to figure it out you know like he's not spending time wondering how do i fit in he's really in a observer mode and trying to figure out you know like what's everybody talking about and trying to understand it and you know he knows um like you can kind of tell sometimes when he first walks into a situation, he wants to talk to people. He knows very easy conversation openers. You know, you can you can always just hear him scrolling through the things that he's been taught to, you know, easily get into a crowd and easily t- start talking to people and how to engage in conversation so they know you're interested in them and stuff. But he's you know, but he's not sitting there trying to. Uh, like work through his own bull crap about his, you know, self-worth or anything like that, which <laughs> what most of us are sitting around doing. And that's why it's so hard for us socially at times. So. So true. That that's so just endearing to me that, like you said, you can hear him kind of running through his, his like social prompts. Cause I feel like, you know, my son's little, he's eight, but there's so much that we're, we work on with him now that, I can't wait until he's, you know, 18 and I can like see all that stuff coming into fruition. I just, th- that to me is like such amazing progress. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's very, it, it is very comforting because, um, you know, there was a point when he was real little, I remember his, uh, therapist coming to the house one day and he was struggling with, uh, sequencing cards. There were three cards and you, he had to look at them and he would have to put them in order based upon how, how the story would make sense. And they have been spending like a month on this and he just couldn't get past three cards. And I remember crying when she left and just saying, you know, I can't believe that someone like me who is such a conversationalist and outgoing and everything that like that I have a child that's going to struggle with this the rest of their life. And she told me something that always stuck with me that helped me. And she said, Corinne, he's going to learn. His brain is like Swiss cheese and it's got lots of holes right now in it. He can't fill them by himself, but they can be filled with help. And all we got to do is keep plugging his little holes when it comes to communication and socialization and organization and stuff. And she said, but he can do it. You just need to have faith and patience in that. And that helped me so much that day because all I could see at that time was how much work was ahead of us mm-hmm. and what wasn't working. And it, it was really impactful for me to start thinking about possibility versus just what's wrong right now. So I, w- I always have appreciated that one conversation we had that one day. It was such a game changer for me. Absolutely. I feel like this is something I know I do this and I've talked to other moms too. And and you kind of even said about Logan, 
it's hard to picture your kid like any older than they are right now. It's mm-hmm. hard to not imagine like you're just so in it in whatever season you're in. And it's hard to picture like what's next. I, I feel like honestly for me doing this podcast, because I have so many conversations with people who have, you know, sometimes they're, they have little kids like me. Sometimes they're teenagers like you. Sometimes they're adults. It's really helped me to just kind of see like there, there, there's so much life beyond like just what's going on right now. But I think it's, it's, it really takes practice. And, and just like you were saying, like, that's something for you that that's still a challenge. And I can a hundred percent relate to that. Cause I think for so many of us, the future is kind of where that the scaries kind of lie. It really is. It's, um, and it's something that I, I teach anyway, just even on the weight loss side that helps me on the autism side is, you know, the brain is, does not like uncertainty. And if there's anything uncertain, its job is to look into the future and see the danger way before it's supposed to see the positive. So, and it's, it all goes back to our primitive days when, when we walked outside the cave, we needed to remember poisonous berries and watching our fellow tribe member go down in flames because he ate that one way more than we needed to remember the good times all had when we were eating strawberries. You know, your brain had to over-index the negative to keep you alive. It still operates on that same principle in this modern day age. We just don't need that skill anymore, but that doesn't mean that evolution hasn't taken it away from us yet. Eventually, one day it will, but it's not going to be in our (laughs) lifetime. So you have to remember when, this is what I tell myself, when I'm going to the future, I'm trying to think about Logan's future and stuff. I have to remember my brain's going to want to go negative, but it's my job to intervene and go to what's possible for my own sake, because it's very easy to sit around and be scared and worried all the time. That's the easy part. The hard part is believing something different than that story. And most of us don't want to sign up for the hard work. We will literally sit and, and feel like fear and worry is necessary when it's just what our brain's trying to do, but it's not helpful. We're never going to be a parent with energy. We're never going to be a parent who's not burned out and stuff if we're always allowing our brain to run wild about what what's going to go wrong. Absolutely. I, I love how you said that there's there's things that with, with weight loss and with the autism journey that are kind of similar. And like you said, like that, that fear of the unknown, I have felt like that a ton over these last few months, like in, in so many different ways. And I feel like I, I, the, and, and I've said this about many different things, but it's like, I feel like the autism journey kind of prepared me and gave me the tools and sort of those hard lessons to be able to do so much more in my life. And like I said, with, with weight loss, it really has, there's been so many parallels, Um, do you find that like with your coaching and with your teaching, like, do you think about the things that you've learned, you know, through autism, through having a child with autism and, and how you sort of use that, like in your other aspects of your life? Oh, for sure. So like literally the nice thing is, is that the brain works the way the brain works. Like if, if we're, um, you know, whether you're dealing with weight loss, whether you're dealing with trying to cope with, you know, your emotions around autism, stress around autism or stress around what you're going to eat, the brain works the same in all areas. So 
I've been able to take what I've learned on how to coach women, how to lose what their mental weight, you know, like I don't really teach, I don't teach you what to eat. I don't tell you, you know, like there is no diet in my, in my stuff. My philosophy is when you get over your emotional eating, you're going to like lose your mental weight and your physical weight's going to come off. And it's just a, a process of unwinding old habits and stuff. I've used that with just how I think about, you know, with Logan and when I'm, frustrated with myself you know there's when somebody steps on the scale and they don't lose weight that week first thing they do is go ham on i'm a loser i can't lose weight this should have been different blah 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 blah. you watch your kid have a fit after you know six months of aba therapy and stuff and what do you do you go ham on i'm a terrible mother he's never going to get this <laughs> you know, it's just like we mm -hmm. we forget that you know there are always going to be things that are going to happen it's on us to decide how we're going to think about it. What's going to have us think about it in such a way that, you know, just like with the terrible mom thing, weight loss people make every mistake mean they're hopeless, broken, and could never lose weight. You know, like we immediately, or we're a bad person. We equate uh, our eating patterns and stuff to us being bad. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, ate some French fries, I was bad. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we make it a morality issue. Mothers of kids on the spectrum do the same thing. If their kid has a fit, I'm a bad mom. If their kid, um, like whatever happens with their child is somehow, it's something's wrong with us. And it's, you know, our kids being on the spectrum is not a morality issue. That's a diagnosis. And when you start looking at like when I with Logan, I try to look at like we have a, a we just have a process issue right now. This is something he's either needs to learn. This is something we need to research more. This is something we need to figure out. But we're not bad and he's not bad because I think that that's real key to all to all things. When your self-worth takes a hit because of circumstances, you got to work on not allowing your self-worth to take a hit anymore. Or you're going to burn out, be depressed, be anxious, chronic worry, chronic fatigue will set in. Uh, absolutely. One of the things that you talk about a lot with, with weight loss that I think also translates so well with, you know, kind of coping with autism is thought work and journaling. And I feel like that is something that really anybody could benefit from, but especially, you know, when you have a child on the spectrum and say you're, you know, you're struggling, you got, you just got the diagnosis or, or like you said, like there's, there's always things along the journey that, that are going to be hard and a challenge. And that's, I know that's something that you teach a lot is like their, your thought downloads. Is that something that when you're doing those, do you find like th that helps you cope with whatever, you know, emotions you're dealing with around autism? That's the biggest help uh, of all things. I call it paper thinking. So if you like, put if you just write down how you're thinking and feeling without censoring yourself without any kind of holding back allow yourself to let your brain empty out all of its fears all of its worries all of its judgments like i like to call it all the ugly thoughts the thoughts that you're just like a lot of times i, I the way i like to think about it is my thought downloads are things that i i want to say like i can't believe i was thinking that because if i find those things, then I know what to start working on for my own emotional benefit. The biggest key though, that 
any autism mom needs to know is when you start journaling and stuff, you cannot judge your thoughts. And what that means is, is you're probably going to write down things like, I, I wish he or she didn't have this. Um, this is unfair. Or I wish I didn't have this life. Those are very normal human responses. And it's very easy to see all that and then immediately make a judgment of, I shouldn't think those things. I'm a bad person for thinking those things. And that's the part that you've got to let go of. Just because your brain thinks stuff does not, one, make it true. It does not make it bad. It just makes it sentences that your brain is using to interpret and cope with your life. That's it. And when you really make that, that key distinction, one, you'll be more willing to journal more often to see what your thinking is all about. And when you get to where you can, first, there's always just, if you don't judge your thoughts, there's always just immediate relief to be able to, it's almost like having a good coffee session with your best friend. Sometimes you don't even need to solve something, just a good unload feels mm -hmm. better. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I call, like I'll Marco Polo, my girlfriend and complain about just all the things. And at the end, I just feel better because I got it out. Mm -hmm. Because before it was just running wild in my head and it felt very real. When you get it out, there's almost like a, like a relief there. And that's because you're not judging yourself for it. The next thing is, is that once you see all of it, you give yourself the opportunity to start asking questions, like looking at it and say, do I want to think a little different? Is there anything else that could be true? That's my favorite question, especially for like when I'm thinking things about my mothering. I do a lot of journaling on me as a mother. You know, I work the hardest now on my relationship with Logan in terms of we don't have a lot in common. And I've always kind of felt more of like this therapist role and the, um, the mama tiger. Him and his daddy are like best friends. And a lot of times I'm very hard on myself about not being a more um, lovey-dovey mother. You know, I'm the one that's always working. I'm the one that's always, you know, I was always the one driving to therapy. You know, I was the one that was doing the things. Mm -hmm. And so I really started doing a lot of journaling on, like, what else could be true about my mothering? It could be true that I'm the best one suited to take care of, the day-to-day -day operations of, you know, little team Logan, you know, like, like that I'm good at that rather than we don't have a good relationship like him and his daddy. Like I could think about that and I would beat myself up over that. Or I could just think about, yeah, but I'm also the one best suited to do this part. And I'd rather focus on what I'm best suited at rather than focusing on my life. And that journaling allowed me to see a lot of that. And so I, I just encourage your listeners you know, there's lots of, I mean, I have podcasts on, I mean, if you want to, you'd have to listen to a weight loss one, but I've got <laughs> podcasts on it, but, um, there's another podcast that's really good called the life coach school podcast. They talk a lot about journaling over there. Um, you can Pinterest, you can Google journal prompts. You probably could even pinch, do a search for Pinterest journal prompts for autism moms. I will bet you somebody's got a list of good journal prompts, but the key is it's first just be okay with journaling. But the real key to journaling, if you want traction is you have to challenge your current thinking and ask yourself what else could be true.
that's my favorite question after I've journaled is to get myself to rewrite what I did with just new eyes and a fresh perspective. I love that advice because I feel like it's, it really is just like good, solid advice for anybody, but especially when you are, you know, dealing with a diagnosis or you're just having a hard time with, you know, parenting your child on a spectrum. I think so often we get just like you said, like caught up in these thoughts and you start, you know, believing these thoughts and thinking they're true. And then next thing you know, it's like your, your mental state is just like down the toilet. And really there, there's this other side of it where, like you said, if you challenge those things and you question those things and you work through those things, I talk about this on the show a lot, like just processing your feelings. Cause that was something I really had to do when my son was diagnosed and, and have had to do much more in the years since, because there there's this belief that like, you know, oh, this is just how I feel or how I think, or this is who I am. This is who they are. But if you can just get that perspective shift, so much can change. And I think sometimes that like, we, we don't, we don't give that enough credit, that perspective shift. Yeah. A perspective shift is the nice thing about it is that you don't have to let, like I always tell my clients, you don't have to let go of your old belief yet. But you do need to teach your brain that that ain't the only belief in town. You know, a lot of times we just get so locked into this is just who I am. This is just how I think. This is how I feel. It's like, yeah, but if it feels like crap, why do you keep just settling for it? Mm. Just teach your brain. There's another story. This is what it is. And remind yourself of that story as often as possible. If it feels a little better, your brain is also going to be more likely to want to gravitate towards the new story. It ain't going to want to keep a big painful story. The only time it wants to keep a painful story is when you're not challenging it. If you keep putting it on repeat and expecting to one day just feel better naturally, well, that's crap. That's not happening. (laughs) You've got to be willing to change your perspective some. And I always just tell people, sometimes we have to hold two beliefs that are equally as true for a while before the new one that feels better starts gaining the traction. Um, one way that I like to think about it is like, I feel, let's say that you feel like this is unfair rather than saying this is unfair. And that's just what I think you could just say, this is unfair. And I also don't want to believe that, uh, one day I want to believe and then insert whatever your new belief, your belief is that I can handle it. You know, it's like, I believe this is unfair, but I also am working on believing I can handle this or that we're going to be okay or whatever it might be, but it's allowing yourself to hold two beliefs at the same time for a while for your own emotional sanity. This is not to take anything away from anyone's story. And I think that's sometimes what happens when we're real locked in and dug in is that we don't want to let go of our painful stories. And it's like, you don't have to right now. But you do need to start realizing that it's just causing you emotional pain. And if that's not where you always want to be, you're going to have to open yourself up to some new thinking to be able to get out of it so that you start getting the relief. You start getting some peace. You start getting to feel better. That's really what it all comes down to, that you said, like, you're the one holding on to that emotional pain. And I feel like so many of us do that not, like I said, not, not, maybe not even realizing it, 
I know if I, I, I've talked about this a lot on the show. I'm on this whole like self-care journey that I've really been working on this past year, but I've gotten really into it in these last few months. And honestly, weight loss is a huge part of that. But I just had this whole, even though I was, you know, accepting of my son's diagnosis and, and really just accepting of my life as it was, I was also just very complacent with a lot of stuff for myself. Like I was really kind of in survival mode and, and didn't realize it. Like I just, I was, you know, doing my day to day and taking care of everybody else and, and really not taking care of myself and just like, it, like just not challenging those thoughts. Cause there was a definitely, there's been many times over the past few years that I've, you know, wanted to lose weight or not been happy with how I looked or, you know, my pant size or whatever. But I just was like, well, this is just how it is now. You know, I've had three kids, I've got all this going on. I've got, you know, my, my son with autism and I've got all these appointments for him and whatnot. Like I just can't do it. And it, it really came down to me just kind of questioning that and just kind of realizing like, well, why can't I, mm-hmm. that it, it finally kind of started to click for me. Yeah. And I think it's important. Um, one of the things that is a big problem in the diet industry is that we, in fact, I'm, I was writing a class on this today <laughs> is mm-hmm. that we are taught that to lose weight, it has to be miserable. And mm-hmm. if you already have some kind of misery going on in your life, if you feel like you're in survival mode, why the hell would you be signing up for like, and let me just throw on some misery on top of my crap sandwich. (laughs) You know, it's like no one signs up for that ahead of time, you know, but our problem is, is that when it comes to weight loss is we've been taught to think that um, it has to be punishing. It has to be restricting. It has to be depriving. Like there's all this stuff that goes along with it. Well, I don't teach a method like that. And so what I always talk to people about is we're always going to do use common sense, uh, the least amount of rules possible. And the fundamental question is, what is the easiest thing I can do today to help me with weight loss? I'm always talking about to people, like, what's the easiest thing? What is one better decision that I can make than I did yesterday? It like, if people know how simple it is to actually end up losing weight, they'd sign up for it more quickly. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is we're taught like it's, you know, it's counting calories, it's cutting out our favorite foods. And especially if you're in a highly emotional state in your life and you use food to compensate because you don't know how to think a little better. You don't know how to change your story. You don't know how to give yourself emotional relief. Why would you ever take away the food that is your only source of happiness right now? You just wouldn't. So that's why it's like, I always, I teach a method where it's, we're, we're not just working on your relationship with food. We really start at the core, the relationship with yourself. What do you mm-hmm. spend your emotional energy on all day long? What are the things you're thinking about all day long? How do we start shifting those narratives? Because when you start taking down those narratives, you stop needing to eat over them as much you're taking away what it is that's triggering you to eat so there's I mean there's lots of different things that I teach but you know at the end of the day for anybody on here um if weight loss is like one of the things you'd like to do I would just before you do anything just know you do not have to suffer and be restricted and deprived in order to lose weight we just have to clean up some BS eating that we do. We just Mm -hmm. need to make a few little changes. You know, I don't like, I didn't lose a hundred pounds 
because I gave everything up. I lost a hundred pounds because each and every day I woke up and I thought about one little thing I was willing to do for the day. And if I wasn't willing to do it, I did not tell myself I'd do it because the last I, I wanted to, at the end of the day, be someone that said, when I say I'm going to do something, I just want to know that I'm going to do it. I want to trust myself. I want to have my own back. So I quit making promises that I couldn't keep anymore. It was the easiest fix I've ever done in my life. I was just like, all right, today, I think I can go for a 15 minute walk. It's on the plan. I might not have had much more in me than that. And I have used that for 15 years, not only for myself, but for all the people that I teach and, you know, my clients, my podcast listeners and everybody. We just don't have to keep complicating life so much. I mean, amen. (laughs) (laughs) I I can definitely attest to that because like I told you when we started, I'm 30 pounds down and I, I mean, I really have just used all the tools that you've given me and I have not been miserable. I will tell you that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, they're basic. And um, guys, if you, if you end up listening to my podcast, I mean, you need to warn them. There's a lot of swear words in it, but (laughs) you know, not everybody's into that. And I hope you have realized that I have really censored myself so many times. I'm like, God, you're doing so good, Corinne. You're not dropping them. I have been this whole time I've been thinking, oh my gosh, Corinne. And I was fully ready to give a disclaimer at the top of the episode and let everyone know, listen, Corinne has a bit of a potty mouth. That's honestly what I love about you. And I always, anyone, because I suggest your podcast all the time to people. And I say, I'm like, she's a life coach. But when I think of a life coach, I think of someone who's like, we're going to do this and it's going to be great. Like, yes. I don't know, like that's my like idea. Marion Williamson. And that's not me. I, yes. <laughs> So, you know, polished and perfected. I, I, when I first reached out to you, I said, I love that, you know, you're, you're cursing, you're Southern. I mean, you're just, you're, you're so you and it's, I, I love it. But yes, anyone who listens to Corinne's podcast, just there's going to be some F-bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I, when I go to somebody else's house, I try not to, you know, throw crap on the walls. So you're just ever the polite Southern girl. I love it. Can you tell people where they can find your podcast and where they can connect with you? Yeah. So the easiest way is to just go to iTunes and search for losing. If you type in losing 100 pounds, you'll pull my podcast right up. Uh, the It's with Corinne Crabtree, but it's a bear to spell. And if you go to nobsfreecourse.com, I've got blogs, I've got a free course. The podcasts are over there too. There's videos, there's all kinds of stuff over there. So uh, if you're interested in any of that, I, um, you had asked me a question earlier. I, I don't, I do have a few pods that I did about Logan's autism, a few Facebook lives. I've talked about it off and on over the years. The re- I will tell you the reason why I don't talk about it as much anymore. And it only has to do with, he got to a certain age where he asked me not to. And mm-hmm. anytime that I'm going to talk about him, or share things. Um, I always ask his permission first. Now he was, it was a few years ago. He started understanding social media a little bit. And uh, <laughs> he told me he just out of the blue one day, he was like 13. He said, uh, I really want to be able to control my, uh, I think he called it his social image that gets put out into the world. And so he didn't want, you know, me controlling it anymore. <laughs> and I was like, I feel you. So I, I, you know, he knew I was going to do this podcast today, but he, um, but that's the main reason why I don't talk about it is because I, I talk about it probably more with my private members 
because they know his story so well and so intimately. And he's met many of them at events and stuff. And he's fine with me sharing with a lot of them. So if your listeners are like, why don't you talk about it more on your podcast? It's just because of that. He's, uh, he definitely likes to control his social narrative for himself. <laughs> well, I, I so appreciate that. Cause I feel like for, you know, everyone listening, it's like the biggest goal is to, to get your child to the point where they can be a self advocate. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he's funny. He's just, you know, he, well, and I will just tell you, it was very touching. Not too long ago. He was, um, he was questioning if he should be on the spectrum anymore. You know, he's been tested a few times since and he's always on it, but he, he said, you know, I'm not ashamed of it or anything. Cause he researches it, watches videos. We watch videos of kids on the spectrum and all that kind of stuff. It has nothing to do with that. But he said, you know, I just want to be known for being me. I don't want to be mm-hmm. known for anything else. And like, he doesn't even want to be known for being my kid. He doesn't want to be known for being um, like, if I tell him, He's like his daddy. He's like, no, I'm like me. And so he's just a very much a little individualist. And, um, and I respect that in him because he's, my husband and I are very much a top personalities and Logan is the best of both of us. And he doesn't have the same, uh, his a type doesn't come out like mine and Chris's, you know, Chris and I, we're workers, we can go face down and work all day long and not even see each other. And, you know, and just when we see each other, we're like, love you. you know? <laughs> we, we're just like that. And Logan is very different, whereas he is very determined to learn things and stuff, but he also is very caring and nurturing and an individualist. And just, I don't know, he's, he's a special kid, you know, and I think they all are. I just, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. Um, it's when, when there's, you know, most of us, we have the curse of the inner chatter where our brain is just sitting there yelling at us all day long about, ah, you did this wrong. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's always like just in the cheap seats, booing at us all day long. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I have to work on mine and Logan just doesn't have that guy in him. And I think mm-hmm. that's what allows him to just kind of show up in the world exactly how he wants to, which is very freeing. Yeah. And it, it makes me think too, cause we were talking about, you know, when you question like, how is it that my child is, is this way and I'm this way. And I, I just think it kind of, to me, I, I always remind myself and I always say to other people is like, you are their mom for a reason. And it's just amazing how like, you know, you, you teach so much to Logan and you give him all your gifts, but it's like, he's giving those back to you. And like you said, you're, you're both kind of type a, but in a different way. And he's giving you that gift of being able to see that. Yes, he really is. So he's a good boy. (laughs) Oh, well, Corinne, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for taking the time. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm just so grateful and thank you for everything you do for, your community, I, I have to just quickly say, Corinne, what I love about you so much is that you have like your paid membership that people can, you know, pay into. And I'm sure it's incredible because there's so much going on there. And it, <laughs> it is incredible. <laughs> I, I, I do not doubt that for a second. But what I love is that you have so many free resources for people like me who have, you know, a lot of therapy bills. Right. <laughs> and, can't necessarily afford it and it's like there but there's still so much available and it's so inclusive 
And I, I'm just so grateful. Oh, you're welcome. I, I, I really try to make sure that if somebody can't afford to work with me, I have, I have given them so much that they, I have knocked down the excuses. <laughs> you a hundred percent. You absolutely do that. Well, thank you so much. And I, I'm just so grateful for everything that you do. You take care. Thank you. Okay. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Corinne. Isn't she just amazing? I Like I said at the start of the show, she really is a role model to me, and I just look up to her in so many ways, and I am so thankful to have connected with her, and having her on the show honestly is like a dream. I'm so thankful to my good friend Jody for telling me about her podcast, you know, over a year ago, and it really is, it's just amazing how, you know, the world kind of brings people together, because like I had said to Corinne at the start of the episode, it really, I don't think I would have trusted her in the same way had I not known that she was an autism mom. The fact that, you know, she lives this life like I do and like so many of you listening, it it really just gave me more trust and more faith in her. And I don't know if I would be in the same place that I am now had had I not, you know, found Corinne and her podcast and just felt so inspired by it. So, Again, thank you so much, Corinne. I highly recommend everybody go check out her podcast. Honestly, it is a weight loss show, but because Corinne is a life coach and she does have that, like her, her teachings are, they're really so much more about mental work. And I feel like you can apply them in so many different ways in your life. It doesn't necessarily have to be about weight loss. So definitely check out her show. It's amazing. Like she said, she does curse up a storm, but to me, that's just like part of her charm. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Um, And she's just incredible. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love hearing from you guys. I love getting feedback. If you have any questions or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, let me know. The best way to do that is to send me an email with a little backstory and what you'd like to talk about if you're a guest. If you are enjoying the show and would be so kind to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast, iTunes, that would be amazing. I'd be so grateful. That really does help other people to find the show. And I have a lot more awesome interviews coming up. So stay tuned for that and take care.